The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to the Super Swedes, or as the Canadians like to call us, the Chicken Swedes. But it's Anton Rossegård once more. Thank you, Anton. You're a star, you're a rock, you're the foundation of what this podcast is built upon. You don't have a Twitter profile, so you can, like, I can give you all the pros of everything and don't steal any followers from me. You're amazing, Anton. And if you don't read Anton's article on, on Ice on the Prize, you really, really should. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. I, I pass that right back to you. I think you are the foundation. You are setting this pod up, and I'm very happy to be part of it. Like, obviously, you uh, broke the ice for for Swedes writing for Half Size on the Prize. So I'm just happy to uh, ride along in your footsteps. It's more or less a uh, coming full circle because I was in the United Kingdom when I started write for Eyes on the Prize, and now you're there, exactly. taking out the reins. Yeah, exactly. Like we're just basically, um, I, I'm I'm riding down your path just a few years behind. Yeah, uh, and and quite a few years uh, if if you look at the birth certificate. But let's not do that. Let's die. Let's <laughs> let's stay with the eyes on the prize certificate. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great pleasure to have you on. And and uh, it's it's great for me to have someone in Europe so we can record this a bit earlier and I don't have to be up all night. Funnily no, enough, yeah. if we look at the podcasts and um, if we look at the top 25 under 25, which is the ones we are looking at right now, um, there, there, there is something that always happens around this time, Anton, and it's the discussion about how to rank players. And we all yeah. have a different version of doing it. Yeah, obviously, like this was my first year of doing it. So I don't really I, I did it last year as a reader on the site. But now, I, at least I hope I have slightly more knowledge than I did last year. Uh, with that being said, I, I tried to look at what what Justin wrote in the uh, preview article this year, just so I wouldn't be totally off uh, with my criterias. Uh, but as you say, uh, people have different uh, different ways of interpreting what to, yeah, what to take from those articles as well. And you, I mean, you, you can say what you do. You are more of a talent evaluator than I am. Uh, actually, in, in this case, I don't rate talent that high. I'm rating the impact for the organization next year, more or less. That's that's one of the things that I'm looking for. If there's any sounds that I haven't been able to delete after we recorded this pod it's my cats that are playing around on the on the floor downstairs uh but anyway um yeah i'm looking at you know the near future let's keep it at that it's not just next year but but the near future which is you know when we discuss the two players that the last player we discussed in the last pod and the first player we discuss in this pod it's it's very much for me clear why i ranked 
Lucas Vedemo a bit higher than uh, Jan Mishak. But uh, does that mean that like a high, highly rated prospect um, that we know of your affection for Matthias Norlinder, for example, um, would you rate him lower because he doesn't, um, he won't play for the Canadians next season? Or do you think that he has such high value in the system that you think that um, like he, he's still obviously like high, higher up on the list. We haven't seen him here yet, but, but how do you see, like, how do you see in, in perspective with someone like Vedemo, who we're going to talk about now, who will probably play a few games for the Canadians this year compared to the guys who are, um, still in the NCAA, still in the CHL or still in Europe? I think that, you know, when it comes to comparing, if we start with Vedemo and, and, and Mishak, as you say, yeah. Vedemo will play a few games this year. Uh, he will be at the the, the rookie camp and, and uh, maybe even go straight into to, to the main camp. We don't know that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's part of it. Uh, so he's ahead of Mishak. I'm not as keen as everyone else on Mishak. I, I know that. So it's it's but but let's mm. give give that a rest. So the impact for maybe one, two years down the line is not a big value for Mishak. But it is All for right. Vedemo. But but yeah. Vedemo has a lower impact for, for 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 ninety percent if you look at two three years down the line, right? Yeah, exactly. That's I what mean, I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. And but if you yeah. look at Norlinder comparing him to Vedemo, and I'm not going to yeah. say where I rank Norlinder. Obviously, number one. But but you know, <laughs> <laughs> now actually, I always rank Romanov number one until he leaves the, the list. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, you, you, even in a trade value, mm. Norlinder would reap in a lot of more assets to the Canadians than Vedemo would. Yeah, definitely. So, so that's one of the reasons. Even for you know, let's say, let's hope in a way that that that. I don't hope that we trade Norlinder. Let's let's start with that, mm. uh, but but let's. Say that Montreal is pushing for for the playoffs. They're they're looking really good. They want to go on a deep run. I don't think they will ever sacrifice Norlander in order to gain an asset, but he would bring in a very big asset in 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 that regard. That's how I think about it. Mishak won't. Vedemo won't. Yeah, I I understand that way of thinking. I think that like me being a rookie and everything with this list, I. Um, was of the like I was thinking um, of basically I was going off like um, well future ceiling or whatever so I see Jan Mishak who I Mishak who I ranked at number 14 for example I was the highest on him I see him as having middle six potential like second line third line like depending on how much he turn like pans out in the future uh, while someone like Vedemo, who is 24 now at the time, um, is he is graduating this year. Uh, this will be his last time on the top 25. He turns 25 in January. Um, I see him as being a fourth-line center. Uh, that is his ceiling. So these fringe NHLers, which I don't really see, they 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 absolutely have potential to make the NHL, but not higher up than maybe a fourth line. I rank them a bit lower. Uh, yeah, but you can let's let's take another opinion here, and and we go with Ikonen. You know, yep. he entered at what number thirteen, fourteen at, at that year when he he entered the 
the uh, top 25, under 25, he was ranked higher than Paling as, as an example. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, the potential was there, but you don't know what you're going to get two years down the line either. Definitely. But so, then, so that's, like two that's years, yeah, two years down the line, we will have a new list. Yeah. So everything, everything is based on what has happened up until this point, right? And at this point, the way I saw it with someone like Mishak, um, he had fringe first round potential and the Canadians were able to get him at pick 48. Um, he was ranked consistently among the 20s. Corey Pronman on the Athletic even had him as the 12th ranked prospect uh, in the entire draft, which I thought was a bit excessive, but still. Um, on the other hand, you have that with Olofsson as well. And we see the, the, the route Olofsson has, has gotten like a lot of of talent evaluators and lists were, were higher on Olofsson than when he was taken. And and unfortunately for Olofsson and unfortunately for the EPR and, and for my uh, contribution sometimes, it's it hasn't really been that uh, forceful. And he fell for a reason. Yeah, you, but you could it, argue it's... that you could argue that with Ikonen as well, that you know a lot of us has liked and, and Ikonen is a great guy. I'm not saying that, but you know. So, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but I, 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 but I think, think the I think the strength think, in the system that we're having with the top twenty five and four hundred votes is that everyone does it a little bit different, and that is, that is totally true. Yeah, and that means that the average will probably be quite well. Yeah, yeah, the the median of everything kind of pans out in the end. I think that no one who has been ranked on this list so far has been very far off where they should be in a talent evaluating standpoint even what however you choose to rank them since we are so many and different opinions and different things we value it still comes down to well the general average and i, I think like uh, just uh, to a remark to what you said about Olofsson, like if i ranked him in 2018 i would probably have him quite high like now it's obviously a different question yeah. the same with Ikonen. Like we go from 2020 and we see two years back, three years back, and all of a sudden they are not that interesting anymore. But that's why I'm high on Mishak now. Yeah, yeah. Down no. the line. Who knows? Yeah. And I think, you know, I've, I've read this uh, book. I, I forgot which book it was, but the statistical analysis in some ways that when uh, there was a missing submarine in, uh, in, the, in the Atlantic and they uh, more or less just told everyone in the fleet headquarters to put a mark where they thought it was and they found it because where most people in the area where most people put the mark that's where they they found it in the end uh, and it's a little bit similar with this you know uh, project in a way and I think it's it's interesting and I I really I'll be honest I might not comment that much and when I comment I usually comment something funny or or, 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 or trying to keep it light-hearted but I read every comment, and I think this is so encouraging to see how many people that cares about the Montreal Canadiens, but also the knowledge that is out there, and that's what I put into the list. Yeah, the hockey knowledge among you contributors, uh, like you, uh, the community of Eyes on the Price is impressive. It really is. And... Uh, it's 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 a, it's a subject that always comes up somewhere between almost fifteen and twenty. We can narrow it down there when people start. How did you rank this guy higher? And let, just remember to be kind when you ask it, because I've had a couple of times where I've been called out, and I've been like, I'm not going to comment on the articles anymore. And I've, <laughs> I, I I feel 
Like, and sometimes when it comes to Europeans, I'll be honest, I might have a little bit more knowledge than everyone else. Partly because I speak to the coaches, I speak to agents, I speak to everyone else. On the other hand, I'm useless when it comes to some of the other ones. But we all have different inputs. We all have different knowledge. And that is the strength of the community. Some we can share, some we can't. But that's fine as well. And I, I really, really enjoy this exercise. I think it's a fantastic thing. And I think it's it's part of... Usually when it comes directly after the draft in the, in, in the heydays of summer, I love it because there's nothing else to read. But now with the hockey season on and people are talking about, you know, uh, Tim Stutzle getting out of his, his DEL contract, which will be very interesting for a lot of different reasons if that happens, because then you will open Pandora's box with, you know, transferring fees between North, uh, North America and Europe and not the set transferring fees that is already there. So if, if Ottawa wants to break that, it was the same conversation we, we, and discussion that we had when Montreal probably looked into getting Romanov over a year earlier and break his Seska contract, which, you know, obviously didn't happen. We know that, uh, as an example, Brian Wilde wrote about it, and I, I'm 100% sure that his sources were right. Montreal was looking at into this to, to, to make it happen, but obviously... 30 other teams in NHL will veto that because they don't want to pay extra for any other prospect coming out of Europe down the line. So so we all have different knowledge. We're all aware of what's going on, but in, in general terms, but some of us are better suited for others. And, and I, I'll take uh, I'll take a bite out of something that uh, when, when I'm wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm usually very wrong. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> but let's go on. Let's actually talk about the list. And yes, at number 17, we have one of the favorites, and he has been steady around this area, more or less. Lucas Vedemo. Um, he was up. He scored a goal for Montreal Canadiens this year, which obviously made him rank, rank him a bit higher. He's uh, a player that I know is very valued in all the teams and even in opposing teams when he has played. The question is, can he take that step to become a serious fourth-line player in any NHL team. Yeah, exactly. That is the question that neither you nor me has the answer to right now. Um, obviously, it's great that he's getting playing time in Saratelia and just getting his season on, on underway already. Uh, but I think he's ranked about where he should be. I had him a bit lower. I think you had him a bit higher, right? You had him at 16. I had him at 25. But yeah, as we say, um, I like uh, it was. It, it's been an impressive rise still for Lucas Vedemo. He was passed over in his first draft, third rounder next year, and then he's just gone from from one clarity to another. And uh, he had a quite a good year in Laval, and uh, he had a good line going there. Uh, I think was he on second second line in Laval, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was a well-deserved stint he got with Montreal, and it was nice to see him get a goal as well. And could easily see him fight for that fourth-line spot with guys like Paling and um, and Jake Evans uh, during training camp. So it'll be interesting to see. It's great to have these guys coming up through the system uh, that are young and up and coming. And if they don't take a spot in the NA on the NHL roster, they will be the first call-ups um, when the season continues to, uh, well, continues to go on. 
Um, so yeah, it's interesting to follow Vedemo in Sweden, and it will be interesting to see him. It's a is it a contract year for him? I think this it's is a contract year. year. It's it's on it his is, way. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. is no doubt that Vedemo will have a professional career in hockey. Let's 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 start with that. That's for sure. Uh, can Montreal Canadiens get a, a a third round pick for him? Maybe, maybe not. He could be part of a bigger deal, uh, and and uh, that way. Worst case for Vedemo, I can see him playing in Switzerland. I can see him playing going back yeah. and playing in Sweden. Uh, I can see him playing in KHL. KHL, yeah. yeah, definitely. I don't think he would go to Liga. I would think he'd stay in those three leagues uh, or AHL for another year if he gets a. a a team that believes in him. We know that he was borderline on the call-up for uh, for the the playoffs this year for different reasons uh, that we're not really sure of. Uh, we we uh, know that they chose to go with the defender instead, but it's interesting. He was at that you know borderline. I think the added value for Vedemo is that whenever he's been put in a position, he has succeeded. More often than not, he's put in a position to play defensively secure hockey as a center on the third or fourth, uh, second or third line. But when he's been put on the fir- on the first line, I remember that he actually had a better point per game average than Arthur Lekanen had in 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 his banner year in Frölunda. Uh, he can score if he gets the opportunity. Uh, he you just have to let him lose. I think it's also a strength that. Vedemo has played center and winger. You can he mm. he he's interchangeable, and that big bodied, bodied winger, yeah, that with with that kind of play style and take that defensive responsibility role, yeah, I think he has a future. I mean, like if Jacob Delarose still has a a a uh, NHL career, I can I can see Vedemo getting one sooner or later as well. Yeah. That's uh, that's an interesting comparison. I saw some of some of the guys making that comparison in the uh, uh, in the comments as well. Obviously, Canadians picks and and Swedes and uh, possible to play both center and wing. So uh, and the size as well. Uh, do you see do you see any comparison as well with uh, Jacob Ulo? Is a bit younger now that he's getting playing time. Well, obviously not anymore, but he got playing time on the wing as well and. Um, yeah, uh, do you, could you see Jacob Olofsson becoming like a Vedemo light or something in the future? I'm I'm struggling with that. A lot will depend on the role he gets in Timrol. He needs to get his confidence mm-hmm. back. Vedemo never lost his confidence. And, and I know I spoke with Sam Hallam in Vekho after Vekho had beaten Djurgården uh, um, in the semifinals. And I, if I remember correctly, that semi, that during that semifinal season... Uh, for Jurgården and for Vedemo, they looked really, really strong. And the fact was that Elias Pettersson only scored one goal in that semi-final series, if I remember correctly, when Vedemo was on the other team. And because Vedemo missed the last game of, in in a last game or two in uh, because of a concussion, and the only goal that Pettersson scored was when Vedemo was in the sin bin. So, yeah. so I mean, like he he more or less took. Pedersen out of the game. And that's a strength he has. That obviously Pedersen has taken two, three steps forward since then. I'm not gonna say Pedersen is great. You know, I'm I'm gonna follow him for the next 15 years in the NHL. But mm. that that is, you know, he was at that level in in, in SHL, the concussion, and Sam Hallam Beckworth's coach said, you know, our old 
our playstyle changed because Vedemo was off the ice uh, in those last games or, or game. And he's very impressed, and, and you don't impress some Holland very easily. So, so, so that's something I think I know that uh, Robert Olson holds him in high regards. I can definitely see him uh, playing in in uh, in Sweden already next season. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I, I'm I'm uneasy with Olsson because he had struggled so much. But if you take another Christopher Ian, who's just returned to Frölunda for for the rest of the season, who's played in the NHL for Red Wings, I can see. I I think Vedemo is better than than him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I I, I respect that. And uh, as we say, Vedemo is still only 24, turning on 25. So. So it's been it's been uh, it's still been like going steadily upwards every season. Even if he didn't have the point totals that he had, uh, well, he had twenty nine points in sixty six games in Laval the first year, and then nineteen forty seven this year, and a worse uh, worse plus minus statistics. He still got the call up and he deserved it, and he didn't play. Uh, he didn't look out of place when he played in in Montreal either. So, yeah, um, looking forward to seeing Bedemo this season. Indeed, and that brings us to Jordan Harris. Jordan Harris. Yeah, exactly. Montreal's third round pick in 2018. And obviously I'm super high on this guy. Yeah, obviously you are. You had him at seven. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) I don't know what I thought. I don't know my thought process when I ranked him. I know I read a lot about him in the uh, uh, Catching the Torch series. Uh, Scott speaks very highly of him, something I value. Um, he is obviously going to Northwestern, is it? Northeastern uh, this year and uh, staying with them for, for, for another year. I think that will be a very good evaluation. Uh, he should lead from, from, from his position. Uh, I think he will might not need that long under Yoel Bouchard to become an NHLer. And that's what I think, uh, why I rank him higher. Um, but yeah, I think there was a tire between the first five and the next six, seven. Mm. And I sort of got lost in that where I didn't really know where to put people. And I just, in the end, shuffled them in. Listen, I don't necessarily disagree. I had him at 10 and uh, like we have, we had other uh, contributors, uh, staff writers who, who asked why I had him so high. But like I see an NHL future, a quite solid one for Jordan Harris. I think he has developed uh, very well during these two years, taking steps every year. And I can see him turning into a solid um, two-way uh, top four defenseman with offensive upside. I know that since they are both playing Northeastern hockey, it's easy to compare Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble. And I think Jaden Struble has the uh, physical upside of being extremely strong and he's a really good skater and everything. While I think Jordan Harris is just solid all around. Yeah, it's, it's, be, you have a king and you have a jack of all trades. That's Yeah, exactly. And, and I think Harris... Harris if I remember correctly, he's played with Jeremy Roy, Roy or Roy last year, um, who's now an NHLer, um, or is going to be this season at least um, for Ottawa. No, well, and, and anyone can play. No, it wasn't for him. Ottawa. Yeah, it, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. Uh, it was another guy that I was thinking of. But 
anyway, Jordan Harris, um, he had 21 points in 33 games last year. He got to play for um, for the under 20 in the World Junior Championships as well and didn't look out of place there either. I think he has become the unsung hero and I think he has become slightly forgotten just because everyone's caught up on the Romanov and Norlander hype trains. I think if you we didn't probably have add Struble to that train as well. A little bit, sure, but but I think it's mainly Norlinder and Romanov you see like really as as high um, high high upside guys at this point. I think if we didn't have those guys coming through the ranks, I think that Jordan Harris would be much more heralded as a, one of Canadians' top prospects at this point. Yeah, and also you you have a defender that plays in in the World Junior Championships that that speaks volumes for for anyone we. we and especially in, in the Montreal Canadiens organization, it hasn't happened that many times. It, we, we feel like it happened because Robinov's played two years in a row. Norlinder was there last year. Uh, so, so it, it, but, but it's normally just, we don't have those prospects that come in and, and break the ranks and there are like five of them in, in, in a group. Uh, it's been a while since it was like that. But now, this year, yeah, maybe. It could, could definitely be that way. We don't know what will happen with the NCAA teams. We know the Europeans are leaving. Everyone is is talking about it here. And there was an interview with Raymond, and he said he wasn't looking forward to the COVID tests because he doesn't like them. Uh, and and we know Stutzli is going, uh, the Djurgården team, and the, the Swedish teams, the SHL teams. They know they're they're not losing the players for for a long for a short time. They're losing for a long time, so they're bringing in reinforcements quite handily now. Yeah. Yeah, totally right. Uh, Jordan Harris. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, people have forgotten about him. It's also like he's not playing in the AHL. He's not playing in the uh, in the European leagues. He's not playing uh, that kind of hockey where where everyone catches it. It's the yeah, NCAA. Who, who watches NCAA hockey? Like there, there oh, are. Oh, you watch the NCAA oh, okay. every weekend, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I watch NCAA football. That's another thing. But I, I think now more than ever, people will start watching the NCAA more because we have all these guys coming through. We have Cole Caulfield, uh, Jordan Harris, Jaden Strubel. Uh, obviously, we had the success with the Caden, uh, Caden Primo a few years ago. Um, so yeah, uh, I think it's becoming, uh, as we talked about in, I think it was the last, uh, podcast when we talked about Brett Stapley, that NCAA is a good developmental ground and it's interesting to follow those prospects, especially if you compare it to CHL where it's like 60, 70 games a season, NCAA only has 30, 35. So it's easier to, easier to pick up on a lazy Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. It's also something that. First and foremost, you keep the rights for another two years, much in, uh, as in the same way as the European leagues. You don't have to rush your decision. Uh, second, with 30, 35 games, you got a lot of more opportunities to build up, work on your skills, uh, much more than when you have a lot of extra traveling time, etc., etc. So I think it is a beneficial league. It's a little bit like the European leagues, where you travel shorter and Okay, you play more games, but you have a lot of individual practices as well. Yeah, totally right. And um, as we said, like we, we shouldn't say either that like Jordan Harris is is like that too low on the list or anything. Like he was tied twenty fifth last year, and now he's sixteenth, so he's moving up the ranks, and he's probably 
he's not far off where where he should be. Um, obviously, we saw uh, that um, we saw that David ranked him. That's the, obviously the most important one. He had him at 18, so he was right around there. Yeah, and I think again, as we mentioned, we rank different ways, and we look at different things, and we remember different things when we do the rankings as well. So you you sort of think about it. Uh, and I had that ranking side open for I think two days, and I went and swapped players, and I did this and then did that, and then maybe that was too long. Maybe I should just have taken half a day and put sat in front of the computer and, de- and do my diligence in in much. Uh, as a university paper or something like that, but I didn't put that much effort into it this time because I'm studying to become a teacher and I'm working 100% as a teacher at the same time. Anyways, this has been a long episode for top 25, under 25. We're super happy to hear that you're listening. We are getting some uh, information on on, uh, Twitter. Uh, Please leave feedback to us even in the articles where the podcast is is attached, uh, we read, as I said, every comment. So uh, if there is anything you need to to ask, either you you uh, mention it in the article or you mention it on Twitter to me or uh, Eyes on the Prize Radio or at Habs Eyes on the Prize directly. Uh, one of us will read it or we will get it sent to us. We appreciate you listening. As always, we're asking you to stay safe, Anton. Uh, enjoy Wales as always it's a pleasure to have you on as a European because right now uh, no one else everyone else is busy they're working everywhere and we get the time to do this Um, anything you want to add to the pod no just happy that Kotkaniemi has started to score in Finland that's great great news yeah it was it was a two good goals last night uh, my Twitter feed burned up, including my phone, so I didn't. I <laughs> needed to charge it in the car on my way to work today. Uh, but yeah, interesting to see. He looks good. There is a lot of talk about uh, the length of his stick uh, in the comment sections, so feel free to join that if you're interested. Especially if you have some really good knowledge about stick length and everything else. We know Chara had a long one. We know Mats Nesland had a short one. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah, exactly. I know nothing about stick length, so I'm not going to interfere with that. Uh, but it's always a pleasure to be on the podcast, and uh, take care of yourself, Bobby.